The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, I promise you're in the right place because it's always true. Today's buzz, I promise not to sing, but I've used lyrics in a couple of shows already this week. And I just tend to burst into song, but I will not burden with you with that. Taking care of business. Come on, you all remember the Bachman-Turner Overdrive song in 1973. If you're too young, look it up. So let's get down to business here. Talking about business. According to Forbes magazine, approximately 543,000 new businesses launch each month in the U.S. That's right. I said over 500,000 new businesses every month in the U.S. Just take that number in. It sounds exciting. It sounds wow. It sounds like all kinds of new ideas and thoughts and products and services are there for the taking. But wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. There's a catch. Of the 28 total million small businesses in the U.S., nearly 22 and a half million owners are self-employed. They earn no more than $44,000 a year. That's right, on average, forty-four grand. Put that against uh, cost of living. And they have no employees. That's right, they're doing it all. If you're among them, if you want to be, well, among them, but maybe doing better, is that the life you want for yourself right now? Oh, entrepreneurship is great. It's exciting. You tell your friends, you tell your investors, look what I'm doing. You tell the marketplace. But the statistics are, are pretty heavy here. And the, another question, once you get started, would you ever want to have to do this for the rest of your life to keep your business going, never be able to retire? Well, stay tuned for the next hour. We have secrets and not-so-secrets about building a business that runs independently. What a thought. Instead of having your business run your life. Let's put it this way. A business with value as opposed to a low-paying job for you. Lucky you, not quite. I have a panel of experts. You are in for a treat. So much good information coming on the show today. First up, in just a moment, I will introduce you to Nina Kaufman Esquire. She's an SBA Women in Business Champion and Entrepreneur.com legal expert. Check her out. She says she's not just your ordinary business attorney. And Forbes magazine, just quoted above, calls Nina one of the 25 most influential women tweeting about entrepreneurship. Look her up. You will be amazed. And go to Ask the Business lawyer.com. Joining us also on the panel, another returning guest, Susan Solovic, the capital T-H-E, small business expert. She's an award-winning serial entrepreneur. That's right. Susan knows because she's been there, done that, and she lives the life. She is a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Amazon.com, top 100 in USA Today, best-selling author, media personality, 
TV, radio, sought-after keynote, and an attorney. Uh-huh. And uh, business Dun & Bradstreet Credibility Corporation named her a 2015 Top Small Business Influencer. You want to hear what she has to say. Always happy to have Susan on the show. And we have a new panelist today joining us. It's Edward E.J. Jackson. He told me I can call him E.J. because I think we're almost new best friends. He's a senior VP and general manager at SAP Anywhere, and he'll tell us a little later what that's all about. So let's circle back to Nina Kaufman, Esquire, and and Nina has sent me a wonderful quote from Alexa von Tobel, T-O-B-E-L, the founder of LearnVest. If you don't know who she is, she was born in 1984. That's right. She's young. She's the founder and CEO of LearnVest.com, a personal finance website. She's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Financially Fearless, which debuted December 31st, just in time for New Year's in 2013. And she was selected as an inaugural member of the Presidential Ambassadors for Global Entrepreneurship, along with other major people, including Tori Birch. So, uh, interestingly enough, she has a BA in psychology from Harvard College. We'll leave that one alone. Here's the quote Nina has selected. As an entrepreneur, you have to be okay with failure. If you're not failing... You're likely not pushing yourself hard enough. Well, there's a lesson. Nina Kaufman, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you, and uh, thank you for helping me with some of the facts and figures for our opening. Nina, talk to me. Are you a big fan of Alexa Von Tobel? I bet you are. Well, I'm a fan, but uh, in particular, I found her quote really striking because it sort of struck a chord in me being a, an attorney, and, and our background is you've got to get it right, and you've got to get it perfect, and you have to be the mm-hmm. expert all the time. And it's actually antithetical to entrepreneurship, where you're much more like the scientist. You, you tweak, you correct, you continue, you play, you experiment, and you're not necessarily going to get it perfect, have the perfect client funnel, business model, financial model right out of the box. So you have to be okay with not getting it right, which we often call in this society failure. Uh, and I think there's also something to be said about uh, playing not to lose. And that's where you know, the second part of her quote, not pushing yourself hard enough, is really important. Um, that the idea is that you, you want to win, you want to succeed at this game, but if you're not thinking big enough because you're afraid of making that mistake, then you find that you can often get stuck in this uncomfortable comfort zone. And that's Nina, why so many business owners stay in that under six-figure uh, position. And and from the number I quoted, it's well under six-figure. It's not even halfway there, and I think that's yeah. the scary part. Nina, this reminds me of a quote we hear from other panelists on other episodes of Game Changers. It's from Mario Andretti, who, thought, who would have thought, if everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough. Similar? <laughs> <laughs> well, he just would looked it up. Speed, that's for sure. He sure would. So he and Alexa would get along very well. Thank you, Nina, for a good intro to our topic. Very much appreciative of your time coming back. And uh, I'll talk about later at the end of the show that you're coming back with another entrepreneurial lessons for women business owners next week with two other attorneys from New York. So we're looking forward two weeks in a row of Nina Kaufman. Ooh. We are lucky. And now let's introduce Susan Solovic. The I love it. She puts the the T H E in small business expert, all in caps because she is the small business expert, and that's a little tip for branding for those of you out there starting a company. Susan has selected a quote from a very colorful,
colorful character, John Paul Getty. Actually, John Paul Getty III, who lived from 1956 to 2011, the eldest of four children of John Paul Getty Jr. and Abigail, and the grandson of, here we comes, oil tycoon John Jean Paul Getty. And his son is actor Balthazar Getty. That's a family history. All you need to know is that in 1973, on what was probably a very hot summer day, July 10th, at age 16, John Paul Getty was kidnapped at the Piazza Farnese in Rome. There was a big negotiation going on with the senior Getty who didn't want to pay because he said, hey, if I give ransom for this one, I got 14 other grandkids and they'll all get kidnapped. Woohoo! Anyway, Getty's father finally negotiated with Grandpa to make him a business loan and they got him back. Uh, the ransom, before the ransom, the last one included uh, the ear, his cut off ear and, and a lock of his hair. It was not a happy story. So very colorful gentleman, died poor of a drug overdose. What can I say? But here is a great quote from John Paul Getty. I don't want to get sidetracked. The man who comes up with a means for doing or producing almost anything better, faster, or more economically, has his future and his fortune at his fingertips. Susan Solovic, how are you? I'm fine, Bonnie. It's great to be back. We're delighted. Now, how in the world did you pick a quote from this guy? I have to know the background to this one, Susan. You know, it really wasn't his quote. I mean, it's not him, not him as a human being, but that Mm -hmm. quote does depict what's happening in small business right now because one of the reasons that small businesses struggle is because they do business just the same old way everybody else does, and so then they become a commodity, and they find themselves constantly competing on price. And so with this thought in mind, that if you can just do just that little bit extra more something, I call it the 1% edge. If you can just find that 1% edge that gives you a leg up, you can start to blow the competition away and to build a really successful business. But you have to incorporate uh, innovation into your DNA. Innovation into your DNA. And tell me something. You are, I I read in your bio, Susan, you're an award-winning serial entrepreneur. How many is serial? How many times did you do something? I know you wrote a book, It's Your Biz. You had a show, It's Your Biz. How many times is serial? Uh, Well, I actually, I started my first business when I was 15 years old um, and then uh, continued to run that business until I graduated. I licensed it to one of my students. It was, I taught twirling lessons and dance and all of that. Licensed that to her for my first year in college. Uh, started a little business in college. Then I went into the news media, the corporate world, and left in my late 20s. Started an advertising and PR firm. Um, went back to corporate for a while. I had a law firm. And uh, then I had one of the first video Internet-based companies. So I've been around the, around the road before. <laughs> it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> I think so. And let me let me get a quick comment from you, Susan. Uh, we talked about failure with Nina and uh, the wonderful quote she gave us from Alexa Von Tobel. Uh, you have to be okay with failure. If not failing, you're likely not pushing yourself hard enough. Did you experience that firsthand? You know, I really did, Bonnie. I mentioned my advertising and PR firm. I was young and uh, I was virtual before we even knew what virtual was, but I got a big, big client, and I let that client become about 90% of my business, and we were doing over a million dollars in billing, and they went bankrupt. Well, there I was, holding the bag on vendor invoices and media placements, and so I ended up negotiating my, negotiating my way out of that, but I had to go back into the corporate world. I was single at the time, you know, I had all my own expenses to pay, 
And it was a great experience because I call it my very expensive MBA because I learned you can't let one client become the bulk of your business. You have to, just like it's in a financial portfolio, you have to diversify. Thank you very much, Susan. A little slice of life there. I appreciate that, and welcome back. And now let's turn to our new panelist. He's waiting so patiently. I didn't forget you, EJ. <laughs> it's Edward EJ Jackson. As I said, we're good friends. I can call him EJ, Senior VP and General Manager at SAP Anywhere. And EJ has selected a quote from another, we should say, very colorful character, Gregory David Roberts. I had no clue who he was. He was born Gregory John Peter Smith. I don't know how the Roberts came in there. Uh, June 21st, 1952. He's an Australian author best known for the novel, and I hope I pronounce this right, Shantaram, S-H-A-N-T-A-R-A-M. Interestingly enough, here's where the colorful part comes in. He's a former heroin addict and a convicted bank robber who escaped from Pentridge Prison in 1980 in Australia and fled to India where he lived for 10 years. And rumor has it that, according to him, he escaped prison again in 1990 after being caught doing smuggling stuff, and he smuggled himself back into jail. Uh, During his second stay in prison, he started writing this novel, Shantaram, and the manuscript was destroyed by the prison wardens twice while he was writing it. He wasn't able to finish and publish the novel till after he legitimately and finally got out of prison. And the name of the book comes from the name his best friend's mother gave him, Shantaram, which means man of peace or man of God's peace. It just doesn't fit at all. But here's, here's the quote. There are no mistakes. Only new paths to explore. E.J. Jackson, welcome to Game Changers. How are you, E.J.? I'm well, Bonnie, and thank you for uh, having me on the show, and uh, also thank you for uh, reading that quotation. Uh, for me, it's very special. The book is amazing. It's uh, As you uh, framed it, it's certainly an extraordinary story of an individual where the, the, the story starts with him as this uh, uh, recovering heroin addict and bank robber who uh, makes his way out of out of prison and then finds himself in the slums of India, in slums of Mumbai, you know, which is truly one of the hardest places to survive and exist. And what's so exceptional about this story is uh, the journey that he goes through and ultimately the culmination, the, the product of this book. And the story is so far-fetched that it has to be mm-hmm. real, which I also think is Two themes for uh, small businesses. Many, many small businesses have pretty extraordinary stories and what they go through uh, to, to survive. And then probably the other part that I thought was relevant for the topic is just this, you know, the biggest theme I think in any small business journey uh, is discovery. And uh, I think as, as uh, you know, Nina pointed out, you know, failure is an everyday part of, uh, of a small business. And you certainly have to have the the ability to tolerate and endure. You know, I, at one time in my life, I, I thought I was young and beautiful. Now I'm old and scarred and, and not quite so aesthetic. But I've, I've had the privilege of doing the, the, the small business journey. And um, I've also had the privilege in my life of managing you know, a few hundred people. And I've been asked many, many times, particularly when people know my background, you know, should I do a startup that's you know, first? You know, uh, what do you think? And then the other is, what's it like? And the first answer is always yes you should you know if you've never answered that question which i think many of us have it nagging in us uh you know with some idea some concept something um you should always go through it even if it ends in failure it, the experience the journey is 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 going to be fruitful and then the second is you know what's it like and my perspective is i use the expression that it's you you know uh, unless you're uh, someone like Donald Trump, one of those rare individuals where you can get a small one to two million dollar loan from your father, 
Hmm. Um, most of us are bootstrapping. They don't have an excess of cash and, uh, uh, you know, build, uh, all that you need to get a business running. You have to bootstrap it up. And I like to say it's you wake up every day, you look in the abyss, and then you remind yourself you're not going to fall in. You turn around and you go get things done. And um, uh, so it's just a fantastic journey. And that was what I thought, you know, weaving this back into this quotation from uh, Gregor David Roberts is just such an extraordinary journey that even a person who you would say is in the bottom rung, a heroin addict, a bank robber, mm-hmm. certainly a, a, um, a, a, a person who really started on the bottom rung and, um, you know, still persevered and then produced this, yep. this phenomenal, beautiful book. And by the way, it's pronounced Shantaram. Uh, Shantaram, you know. thank you very much. Yeah. I wasn't quite as elegant. So I appreciate that. I, I have sure. to say something, EJ. You mentioned you wake up and you look into the abyss. I've, n- I've never heard it put quite that way. <laughs> is that a good day or is that a bad day or just any day? Well, How does that work? I may have a little unique circumstance. It's not so unique, but it's, uh, I'm here in Silicon Valley, so I've done a lot of uh, uh, venture-backed businesses. And it's a interesting, it's a little challenging that you have, uh, you're given money, you have kind of a time stamp on, you have to achieve certain milestones or the, or the VCs won't put more money in. And I happen to be, have a company with about 60-some employees that I was in the middle of fundraising when this thing called when this you know, company called Lehman Brothers went bankrupt and uh, people started questioning whether capitalism was viable and VCs suddenly retrenched. And I was also you know, the, the CEO and founder of a company losing about um, you know, $200,000 a month. And mm-hmm. I had to get real with you know, terminating some of those employees uh, and I had to find other means of funding. I, I managed uh, in that time to close two uh, seven-figure contracts with customers, and I also got those customers to prepay. Um, and it was a very interesting time because also the banks cut my credit. American Express cut about two hundred fifty thousand of credit cards that I used to, for my salespeople and you know the operations to fund. So credit dried up, VCs disappeared, and you know there I was with a company losing two hundred thousand dollars a month that needed to raise five million, and uh, you know through through contracts and uh, prepayments, I was able to keep it alive and you know, I had to go through a painful experience of trimming down the workforce. But you know, I got through and I was able to take the company to a successful exit. But you know, that's certainly the, you know, an experience of staring in the abyss. I think anyone mm-hmm. out here in Silicon Valley, because you know, the typical scenario is uh, you know, you're, you're burning cash, you're not profitable, and you have to achieve certain milestones in a time frame or you're cash out. And when you're cash out, and there's no payroll You're out. around to, uh, to take the business forward. There's your abyss. Thank you for the story. I appreciate it. A little later in the show, I'll ask you to tell us very, very briefly what SAP Anywhere is because I think a lot of people may not have heard about it. But our topic today is build, thank you, build a business, not just a job, going back to my intro. But before we go to break, and our panelists certainly have earned a break, I'm going to go around the table and ask them to tell us a little personal story about themselves. And Susan and Nina know this. I'm going to ask you where you're calling from and what you're drinking right now during the show that fuels you that powers you to be an expert and a guru and a great thought leader, or what are you planning to drink later after the show? And that's when we sometimes get the most interesting drinks. So, Nina Kaufman, where art thou, and what are you drinking now or later? I, I am in New York City, right in Midtown Manhattan, enjoying a beautiful day. Thankfully, it's not too humid. And what I am drinking today is, and I hope I pronounced it correctly, it's uh, Navajo Yanaba tea. 
Um, it's made from a, a yellow flower uh, that comes from the, the American Southwest. And I'm drinking it because it reminds me of the most fabulous vacation I just took to Monument Valley on the Arizona-Utah border. And what was so fabulous about that vacation is coming to the ancient natural world. I mean, these rocks are hundreds of millions of years old and seeing this extraordinary open horizon that's not blocked or broken up by buildings or trees, just open with a night sky and the Milky Way. So it reminds me to, to breathe during the day. And um, so similar to what EJ said, you look into the abyss and then you go about your business. Thank you, Nina. And I looked it up, and there's a website, Yanaba, Y-A-N-A-B-A-H.com. It's Yanaba Navajo Tea, and there's a wonderful picture of this elderly Indian woman with a beautiful blanket wrapped around her and all kinds of uh, stone, whatever they are, figures in the background. Uh, Yes, very, very interesting. Those are the mittens, and and also the the company. It's a woman-owned company and really uh, pays respect and tribute to the traditions of the Navajo culture. Thank you very much. Very interesting. You pronounced it beautifully. And Susan Solovic, where are you and what's in your cup today? Well, Bonnie, I have to tell you, I am in Jupiter, Florida, where I built a new home. I'm sitting out on my patio looking at my uh, pool and the third tee of the golf course that I'm on and drinking (laughs) a big, nice cup of ice water. Because you know me, Bonnie, I'm a believer in ice water. But I have been down here for about two months or so now, loving the lifestyle and It's healthier living, and I'm not as stressed out. But my one little delight for later in the day is my new favorite summer drink is a salty dog. Do you know what that is? No, but pray tell. Tell me. Okay. It's grapefruit juice and vodka with a little salted rim. It's so refreshing in the evenings just to sit out and have one of those and relax. And so that's my new favorite thing right now. Very interesting. Grapefruit juice and vodka with a salted rim. I'm going to have to remember that. Vodka and I yeah. don't agree because it goes right to my knees and I, I drop very quickly. Like, oh, what happened to her? So I'll, I'll think of something else, but I love anything with grapefruit juice. Very refreshing. Thank you, Susan. Congratulations on the new home. And you can go take a dip after we're off the radio, but not until then. Not until then. All right. We don't want, we don't want to hear you underwater. EJ, where are you? We've had some interesting drinks from the ladies. Love to know what you're drinking now or later. EJ Jack. And where are you? Sure. Well, first, I would I would like to say I would love to have a salty uh, salty salty dog. Right? That that would mm-hmm. be most preferable. Unfortunately, I do not have that in front of me. Uh, I am uh, in South beautiful South San Francisco, uh, kind of in uh, the the uh, northern edge of Silicon Valley, um, and it is a gorgeous day. I'm here in a beautiful picturesque office, about ten floors up, looking out at the San Francisco Bay. Uh, so a stunning view. Um, I unfortunately am only having a black coffee, and I know it's a little bit of a wah, 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 because it's not as exciting a drink as <laughs> what everyone else is having, but there is a good story to it. Uh, earlier this year, I, I went over 200 pounds, which is the heaviest I've ever weighed. I'm, I'm six foot three, but it's the first time I've, I've weighed over that. I'm a pretty, normally a pretty thin guy. I've been pretty athletic most of my life, but hitting that milestone was frustrating for me. So I am in training to try and qualify for the Boston Marathon uh, to oh. set that time, which I think is a 3.14 for my age. The good news is I keep, as I get older, the time gets easier. The bad news is as I get older, my body is <laughs> it's harder to, uh, to achieve it. But, uh, yeah, I'm about uh, one-third of the way uh, through the journey. I'm running a marathon, a qualifying marathon in December. So 
I am going to reminisce over having a salty dog, or uh, there are many beverages I'd prefer than black coffee. I, I'm actually not a fan of black coffee, but I need the I need the go-go of coffee. But uh, no milk. Normally, I would have a latte, but uh, I've been uh, disciplining myself to endure and uh, get that marathon done. Wow, we're very proud of you. And when is the next marathon, EJ? It's going to be uh, the first week of December. So I'm running in the uh, the Sacramento Marathon. Okay, I'm putting. You don't nice mind if I tweet that? Cool weather. May, may I tweet that? EJ Jackson is training for the December 2016 Boston yeah, Marathon. May I say that? Okay, love to have that in there so people know. Wow, bravo! Yeah, you got a bravo from us. Okay, good. So you know what? Now you certainly deserve a break. So we're going to be coming back in just a moment. Our topic today is very important. As I mentioned in the opening, there are more than 500,000 new businesses launching each month in the U.S. If you're one of those people who are right now. Now in this month's 500,000, if you're among the 28 million total small businesses in the U.S., we're sure you want to earn more than $44,000 USD a year. We're sure you want to have some employees. We're sure you want to be able to take a vacation, a break, retire someday in your lifetime, uh huh, and have more than just a low-paying job for yourself. So that's our goal talking today with our experts on build a business, not just a job. You can go anywhere for a job, but when you got a business, you want to be more successful than that. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back and we're talking today about build a business, not just a parenthetically low-paying job you can never escape from. We don't want that for you. We have a wonderful panel today. Nina Kaufman, Esquire, Susan Solovic, ask, well, the small business expert and an attorney herself in EJ Jackson at SAP Anywhere. We're going to kick off the roundtable now with notes from, we're going to go around the table very quickly today rather than lengthy 
focusing on one topic because all three panelists have sent me very interesting and very astute comments on what it takes to build a business, not just a job. So let's start with one from Nina, and we'll just have everybody comment very quickly, and then I'll go to one from Susan, one from EJ, and around the table. Nina says, fire yourself. You're fired as chief everything officer. I love that. That's CEO as well. Chief everything officer. Stop trying to do it all. Yes, especially women. A real business, not just a job, is about more than you. It's about more than who you are or your output capacity in a single day. Wow, that's news-shattering news. So, Nina, why don't you take about a minute and a half, tell us what that is, and then we'll see what Susan and EJ have to say. Absolutely. Well, I'll say, you know, the first thing about really building a business and not just a job is thinking about what your business does if you are not in the equation. What does it do? It's like giving birth to a child. And, you know, you're not in that child's shoes all the time. You can't micromanage it all the time. Uh, you know, there's that little Jewish joke about, uh, you know, Sadie comes across uh, Florence, and Florence is holding her 12-year-old. And Sadie says, what's the matter, Florence? Can't he walk? And Florence says, yes, but why should he have to? <laughs> so, you know, oh, that rings true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yep. so, so often business owners are, are just spoon-feeding that business, and that's not going to let it grow. So the first thing is to get out of having to do it all, but you need to have that vision of what does it look like if you are not in the equation. Yeah, sure, you're going to be wearing all the hats on day one, but that's not where you want to be on day 12,001. And that's why I say fire, you know, not to get political, but you're fired. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Thank you for adding that. Appreciate it. Yes, I didn't even think about that. We're, we're staying away from politics today. Great one. Nina, uh, why don't we have Susan comment quickly, agree or disagree? Anything you want to add to that, Susan? Oh, I definitely agree with that theory because you can't build a business all by yourself. You have a finite amount of resources and time. So I call it the MyTop theory, M-Y-T-O-P, multiply yourself through other people. That's how you build a sustainable business. And when you work so hard, 24-7, your business in the early days, it consumes you. You obviously want to build it up so that it's successful enough that you can exit that business at some point. So I always encourage uh, when people are starting businesses to think that big picture and what is your exit strategy going to be. When I was running my Internet business, the exit strategy was clearly to sell to a competitor. Um, and a bigger competitor who could take it to the next level. So, you know, when you're thinking that way, you can put the building blocks in place. You can hire, start hiring the skill sets that you need to get there. And you've got to be willing to invest in talent. You don't want to just go out and hire a warm body and put them in a chair. You've got to have the right people in the right seats. And that means you've got to make an investment in that talent, too. So you've got the muscle to really build your business dream. Thank you. EJ, love to get your two cents and one minute worth on this one as well, please. Well, I think, like Nina said, uh, as a small business owner, I've been guilty uh, of carrying the 12-year-old around and having my arm fall asleep and struggling to do other things while trying to do it all. And it's, you know, through experience, I've learned that that's just a poor way forward. Uh, I think, like Susan said, you know, think of the end game, think of the exit. Uh, you know, when that end game comes or that exit comes, you may you know, have the discretion to continue on uh, but it is important to set an endpoint just to give yourself the right guidance on you know, how to scale up the business. And you do have to uh, conclude that carrying a 12-year-old around that, can, that can't walk is probably not the best way forward. And uh, also, like Susan said, you know, getting uh, uh, phenomenal talent in 
people that are uh, enamored with your vision and aligned with uh, what you're trying to accomplish. And culturally, a good fit is really critical. So you can't do it all and you can't achieve that, that exit when you sit down and write it and think about it. You can't do it entirely by yourself. Thank you. Good advice from all three. And let's go to a notes from Susan Solovic here. I'm going to pick one out of the hat here, Susan. They're all good. Susan says, know what you're truly selling. As Peter Drucker said, your customers aren't buying what you think. It's up to you to understand their true motivation. Why don't you talk a little bit about this, Susan, briefly, and tell us about the Build-A-Bear workshop. Great example and case study here. Okay? Yeah. So I collect teddy bears, Bonnie, and... In fact, this last holiday season, I gave away 150 teddy bears to a children's hospital. But Aww. I love teddy bears. But the, the thing of it is, you know, you go to buy a teddy bear, and you can go to, to Target and spend 10 bucks or 15 bucks on a teddy bear, or you could spend thousands of dollars buying a collectible Steve bear. But the process is pretty much the same. You go, you pick it out off the shelf, or you order it online, and that's it. Well, Build-A-Bear Workshop certainly sells teddy bears, right? But... What Maxine Clark, the founder of Build-A-Bear Workshop, understood was those teddy bears represent something. I think most kids grow up and have a special teddy bear at some point in their life that was given to them by a special person. So what you're really doing is that experience, those memories. And so she created a format where you take your, your kids, your nieces, your nephews, your, you know, your grandchildren, and you have this amazing experience where they get to build that bear and they get a little birth certificate for that bear and it goes home in, a little, in its own little house and you buy all these little accessories. So she's really selling the experience and the memories. And this last holiday season, there was a commercial. It was a little girl and her dad going in to build a bear and she was making her holiday reindeer. And she said to her dad, Dad, do you know why I like coming here and doing this so much? And he said, well, because you get to build your own reindeer. She said, no. He said, well, because you get to outfit it and buy all its little accessories. And he, she said, he said, no. She said, no. And then he said, well, then what is it? And she looked up and smiled at her daddy. And she said, because I get to spend time with you, daddy. Oh, and I mean, it just gave me goosebumps. Beautiful. And I mean, I still, I was giving a speech last week in uh, Chicago, and I played that clip. And I still, my eyes tear up a little bit when I hear it. That's the motivation that she's selling. She, she's not selling teddy bears and widgets. She's selling memories. Absolutely. I tried to tell that to a hairdresser once, uh, something similar, Susan. I said, you're not Uh selling me a haircut or color. You're selling me a half hour of TLC, of complete focus on my needs, of letting me relax, of just giving me a chance to regroup and reset what my last week was about and start the new week with something fresh and new and feel good and look good. You're giving me that. It has nothing to do with the scissors and the bottle of color and all that. He, He looked at me very blankly and I said, think about it. That's what you're selling. You're selling peace right. of mind, a little vanity, a little caring. Right. And, and I, th- I think he, you agree? He finally got it. Well, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Excellent point. It's, and it's just like Kodak uh, that failed to get into the digital uh, photography market. You know, they thought they were selling film and, you know, photographic prints and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. What nope. Kodak was really doing, they were in the storytelling business. You yep. know, because what do you take pictures of? of birthdays, of family reunions, of weddings, of celebrations, of vacations. We're all telling stories with those pictures. It would matter not if you print them out and have them in a scrapbook or if you have them on a DVD and a digital version. I, they just missed the boat. 
Absolutely. And that's something that now we would be able to tell them and they probably would get it today, but too late. EJ Jackson, yeah. I'd like you to comment on Susan's comment about know what you're truly selling and what your customer really needs and why they would buy from you. EJ, thoughts? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I certainly relate to what Susan was talking about in terms of the, the experience the customer has with, with your business, your offering. And, uh, you know, in my business, we're focused on the retail space and customer engagement is such a critical area and a customer can have so many touch points with you that unfortunately, um, it's really, you can't do nine of the 10 well, you have to do all 10 of them well, or you you lose a customer. You can have a great e-commerce experience, a great product experience, but fall down on your loyalty program and you'll lose that customer as an example. Um, I was thinking about uh, also there's an article, and I can't remember the, the gentleman's name, but the title was basically, uh, We're All Spoiled Brats. And it was talking about how we as consumers and how we uh, consume products today and enjoy services from customers. And, uh, I mean, just think of online banking today versus, you know, 10 years ago and how, you know, substantially evolved it has become and our expectations, you know, to transfer money at the push of a button and so forth where we used to have to go in and fill out paper forms and go into a bank and stand online. Just the transformation that's come. But it's, it's tied with me. I think that, that that's your differentiator. Uh, the most important thing that any business has is their interaction and their engagement with the customer. And it's so crucial for their livelihood and survival and growth that they do that uh, as flawlessly as possible. Thank you, EJ. Were you talking about Simon Rich, who wrote a book called Spoiled Brats, or were you talking about the Washington Post article in, let's see where it is, Washington Post article, Are We Raising a Nation of Spoiled Brats from June 26, 2012? Just two, two questions. Either no, one? no, this, this was in context of what we as, as consumers of, of online services are, and that we're, we're very spoiled brats, and if we don't have perfection delivered to us, we'll bail on that provider and go to somewhere else. And, you know, the really the, the, the threshold that we as customers now hold on, our, on the businesses that provide to us is far higher than it was, say, 20 or 30 years ago. So it's challenging. I mean, that's one of the things that I think a small business has to understand is that their customers have such an extraordinary experience in their daily consumer lives that it translates to everything, which isn't actually realistic because you can't, you know, as a small business, you can't deliver to perfection. But it is a challenge, and that's one of the challenges a small business has. So the one thing that Thank they can you. make sure they do really well is that engagement, that interaction, just like Susan said, you know, build a memory, build an experience. Thank you, EJ. Nina Kaufman, I didn't forget you. Thoughts on know what you're truly selling? Quick thoughts? Yes, well, I, I know we're doing a round robin, so that that's fine. Uh, to, to EJ's point about engagement, I, I think he's right that, yes, the threshold for perfection is higher, uh, and I think that's also where a sense of uh, transparency and honesty that, you know, oops, I goofed, comes up, and it comes up in our personal relationships, too. How do we feel when someone kind of goofs on us? If they come back and they make amends and they try to make it right, we, we feel that that trust can be restored and possibly rebuilt. Um, but that's where, again, that needs to be part of our process as, as businesses. Uh, another piece, and there's, there's a classic phrase from the, the Harvard Business School marketing professor, Theodore Levitt, who said, people don't want to buy a quarter-inch drill. They want a quarter-inch hole. <laughs> and I think that's an, an important thing. As Susan says, know what you're, you're selling. You're there to solve the problem. You're not there to 
you know, to offer something with, with features, you need to know what the benefits are. So in, in my work as a business attorney, I'm not there to just sell people a contract. I'm there to provide a sense of peace of mind, a clarity of process, a sense of ease about their negotiations so that they can build that trust factor with their strategic partners or employees or whoever else it is. Uh, and that's where, again, to, to know what exactly is that problem you're solving and what is the language that your customers are using. Uh, you know, the legal profession is often guilty of using the legal ease to describe what human beings might say very, very differently. So to listen very carefully to the way your clients are phrasing the problems and the concerns that they have because that's what's going to resonate for them. You may be offering them exactly what they want, but if you're not using their language, they're not going to hear you. Thank you very much. Good comments. And now I'm going to move on to some notes here from E.J. Jackson. E.J., we've been talking about failure. We've been talking about discouragement. Uh, Keep trying again. It's okay, and that's part of the learning process. You mentioned the wonderful word discovery early on. Let's talk about stress management. And I'm reading way down into your notes here. You say stress management. Learn how to handle stress and discouragement productively. Use the trial and error method. Try, fail, learn, and try again. So let's talk specifically about stress in a nutshell. What's your advice to building a business and not just a low-paying, OMG, I'll never get out of here job? EJ? Sure. Well, I, I go back to the quotation, which was brief. You know, there are no mistakes, only new paths to explore. Um, I, I do, uh, and, and as you said on that theme, sorry, of discovery, you know, it, it, failures are, are something that you should uh, expect and embrace. You know, you shouldn't fail uh, the same problem over and over. You do need to have learning, though. So that's the one thing I want to I want to emphasize is it's okay to fail, but it's it's not okay to fail doing the same mistake over and over. You've got to have learning in that. Um, in terms of the stress on that part, you know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the, the the VC firms that funded me, they assigned what they call an EIR or Entrepreneur in Residence, and this gentleman had had a successful exit. I think he made four or five hundred million dollars and. He was assigned to guide me, and uh, I, you know, it was just a great opportunity. We would have coffee once a week. But my first conversation with him was very interesting. I was really looking forward to his insight and everything he did to build his business. And the first question he asked me, he said, do you do any exercise? And I said, uh, I try to. And he said, well, whatever you're doing, make sure you, you, get, you, know, you run or whatever your thing is, playing soccer, make sure you do that. Make sure you have fun in life. Now let's talk about the business. And that's always set with me. To make sure that you set your, you know, your priorities of taking yourself, taking care of yourself, you know, all of the challenges you're going to have in business and, and the failures and the successes, it's par for the course. They're going to happen. You're going to have failures. You're going to have successes. But you can't neglect taking your, care of yourself. So I think that that's definitely one of the takeaways I got from you know, a particular individual you know, who had a, an incredibly successful outcome. Thank you, and that's a very human side. I was going to say, EJ, I want you to just take three sentences, if you can capture what SAP Anywhere is all about, just so our listeners will know. Do you mind doing that now for me? No, no, no problem. SAP Anywhere is a front office solution to help small businesses uh, market, sell, and commerce. So it's an end-to-end software that's uh, completely mobile first. uh, So they can run their entire business off of a tablet if they want it, or their mobile phone. Uh, that's uh, easy to consume, it's low in touch, uh, and it's highly extensible, uh, and basically enables them to run all aspects of the front office of their business, every, every engagement that they have with a customer, be it through how they manage their inventory, their e-commerce or multi-channel commerce, their CRM, 
and digital marketing. So that's a, kind of a quick snapshot of what SAP Anywhere is. And I'm pretty Thank excited because uh, it's yeah. certainly a product that helps small businesses. Thank you very much, EJ. And I want to go around to Nina quickly and get your comments on what EJ just said about stress management and handling discouragement productively. In other words, keep on putting that pedal, metal to the pedal and pedal to the metal. Nina, what are your thoughts on that, please? Well, I, I think that's where it's so important to, to realize that that's where you need a support team because entrepreneurship is really lonely. I mean, on the one hand, it is, uh, to me, it's one of the most extraordinary opportunities we have to create, like, the great creator. We create something from nothing, uh, which is an extraordinary opportunity uh, and an amazing responsibility. And you need support because sometimes that's, you don't have that support from family or friends or the people you think are closest to you. Um, and that's where, well, you know, whether it's groups like Vistage or Tab or other kinds of mastermind groups um, or even just the informal pick up the phone, call a, uh, another entrepreneurial colleague and say, you know, hey, can we go out for that salty dog? <laughs> or let's go for a run together. Uh, you know, one of my mastermind partners, we, we just set our date to, to have our, you know, we, we, have, we go for a run and then we go for dinner and drinks. So having that sense of being nurtured and receiving the support, both the business type of advice as well as, um, the the more the the personal advice of yes you're okay uh, keep on your path and that kind of encouragement that we need because it's hard to self generate that all the time. Thank you, Susan Solovic. Quick thoughts on stress and discouragement. How do you handle it? I tell you, it's tough. It's not an easy thing to do. As as uh, Nina was saying, you know, you're you're by yourself. You feel isolated. You can't really go out and just talk about anything and everything with the business with your team. So it's really all on your shoulders. And I, not as much as EJ, but I, um, I've always been an exercise enthusiast. And back in the heyday, I was a, like the aerobics queen, you name it. And when I was running my Internet business, we were raising venture capital, I worked myself into the ground. And I have fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain condition. Mm. So exercise is very important for me. But... Um, I actually was walking with a cane at one point because I had gotten so crippled up. And I realized, you know what, I, this is not good for the business because when I'm in this much pain and this sick, I'm not mentally there. You know, I'm not there 150% like you should be. So I just started scheduling time on my calendar, and I would leave the office. I'd go to the gym, I'd work out, and I'd come back. And it was calendared, and people knew it, and it was written in stone, and I wasn't going to let that go because... And then, you know, you come back, you're refreshed, you're re-energized, your energy level is up. And I, I find that it's so important. I mean, I, I actually had a business partner who um, also was working those crazy hours and didn't follow my lead on that. And sadly, I hate to tell you, but one of the reasons we exited him a little bit more sooner than we would have is he was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and given four mo- uh, six months to live. And he was mm. in his 40s. So stress is the number one cause of illness in this country, and you owe it to yourself, your family, your business, your employees to, to take care of yourself. 
Thank you. Very good words of wisdom. And, and uh, EJ, thank you for that, starting that tip. I'm going to circle back to Nina. Let's see how many more. I think instead of, uh, I think we're just going to have each of you talk about a minute on each of the points I'm going to bring up. We're just going to slam through this. So Nina, you say, get off the D list. Are you on the A list or the D list in your business? If you're a solo business owner, chances are you spend much more time on the D list than you'd like to admit. Nina, give me a minute overview of who's holding this list and who's on the A list and the D list and why should we... How should we know that we're on the A-list? Okay. Well, first of all, you know, the D-list comes from the comedian Kathy Griffin, who had that TV show, My mm-hmm. Life on the D-list, because she was not an A-lister. And when you think about all of the things involved in your business, you know, there, there's the day-to-day administrative stuff, which is kind of D-list stuff. And then there are the things that speak to your highest strengths and talents and vision. And that's why you are there to lead the business, not just to do everything in the business. So an important thing that I share with my clients is, is the, the tool of time tracking, is really seeing how are you spending your time each day. Because it's so easy to go by weeks and say, oh, my God, I didn't get anything done, or I haven't moved any projects forward. And that's because you don't know how you're spending your time. And once you're able to track it and see, all right, I spent... 15 minutes playing Angry Birds or 20 minutes fielding emails that, you know, I personally did not really need to do, you can then start to see what can you get off your plate, what might you be able to delegate or automate better so that when you're moving up the chain in your business, you're spending more and more time in the highest value and the most lucrative kinds of opportunities. I like the word lucrative a lot. Thank you, Susan. I'm going to pick one from your list. Plan, execute, review, and continue or adjust. Work your plan, but adjust constantly. Susan, give us a one minute on this, please. Well, going back to what I said earlier about creating that 1% edge, in today's market, because things are changing so quickly, when you're looking out on the horizon and you're seeing new um, opportunities, you're seeing that unsolved problem out there that you could provide a solution to, you, you make your opportunities, I call it above and below the line, put a certain number of opportunities above the line based on most profitable, easiest to achieve, and on down. And then what I do is I draw the line at five, and you have to focus on those top five. But your assumptions may be wrong. If you set your measurements, your objectives, your milestones, and you see going down the road that, wait a minute, this isn't playing out like it needs to. So either you need to adjust, and move on to one of the other priorities or one of the other opportunities or adjust the way you're addressing that particular business opportunity. Or you say, you know what, we're going to just forget about it. Um, or you can continue down the road as you are. So, you know, I think that that constant review, analysis, planning gives businesses that little edge to make sure that their journey is going in the right direction. Thank you very much, Susan. Now I'm going to pick one from EJ's list. EJ, here's one I'm not sure. We we talked about hiring the right team, about being on the A-list, about not doing it all. Fire yourself as a chief everything officer. Here's one I like from your list, EJ. You say, evaluate partnership wisely. Never rush into partnership. It should naturally demonstrate win-win benefits for both parties or all parties. EJ, give us a little more, please. Sure. I think I think along with partnerships, the old adage, uh, don't confuse uh, motion with progress. You know, there's so many partners out there. So many people are interested in talking with you. They have exciting offers. They may even express a high degree of interest. And I think when you're a small business, sometimes you want to grasp at anything positive <laughs> that's around you. But you have to be uh, really, really conscious of your time, just as Susan uh, pointed out, you know, setting your top five priorities. And oftentimes, I think it's taken me a long time, I will confess, because 
I've been one of those ones that have, uh, uh, in my in my early days, in my uh, uh, naive youth, uh, confused that motion with progress. You know, get engaged with a partner, but we necessarily didn't have an alignment or necessarily even a win-win relationship. Sometimes uh, the relationship was where the partner won and I lost, and I didn't realize that until later. Um, or uh, I won and the partner lost, and you know, a period of time went on and a lot of effort and so forth uh, blew up. So I think it's really critical to make sure that you're very judicious with partnerships. Uh, there's so many out there. There's so many interested parties to work with you. It's such a collaborative era you know, today. Um, and so easy to connect. You know, you've got meetup.com and so forth. And just, we, we're constantly thrust to collaborate. But I think you, you just have to be really careful. And, and just like Susan said, you've got five priorities. I really think you should limit your partnerships in the early days you know, to, to what you can count on one hand. It's very difficult to do that because you have scores and scores of people coming at you all the time. Thank you. And I have one quick question for you before we go back to Nina. We are officially now in the crystal ball predictions round. I want to make sure I give at least one minute to each of you. But EJ, question. You talked about partnerships. Does that apply to VCs and angel investors in terms of a shared vision and a shared focus and benefits for all? Yes or no? Uh, it does. It has to because they won't fund you if, they, if you don't have a shared vision. There you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I have to cut you off. Nina Kaufman, one minute, 60 seconds. Look into that crystal ball and tell me, what do you see if we met again? Let's talk about 2020. You know I love that year. It just, I can't get out of my head. 2020, we know who she was. So I want to know, what will change significantly about this topic? Build a business, not just a job. Will entrepreneurs get wiser and smarter? Of course they will. They're here listening all over the world to Nina Kaufman and Susan Solovic and E.J. Jackson. But aside from that, what will be different if we met again for this specific topic in 2020. Nina Kaufman, prediction 60 seconds, go. Well, one of the things that, that I'm seeing and I'm reading about is that close to half of our workforce is going to be comprised of independent contractors. So it's a very different sense of what is your business and what is its value when you don't have all of those employees that you can control, uh, you know, almost like you can control your chair and your desk, like physical assets. Um, so how you think about your value and your value proposition is going to have to shift, uh, as is, as EJ uh, pointed out, understanding who's really a good partner for you, even if they are independent contractors, who's really buying into the vision of what you're doing and shares the values to help move your business forward. Thank you. Well put. Very concise. And I have a whole minute for Susan Solovic. Go ahead, Susan. What are your predictions? Well, Bonnie, I hate to say this, and I'm always the glass is half full, not half empty. In this case, I'm a little pessimistic because the Census Bureau has been tracking small business startups and closures for 30 years. For the first time, that data now has, we see that the closures, the number of closures is exceeding the number of startups by about 100,000 annually. That's a wow. scary statistic since this, small businesses are the job creators. They're the economic engine that drives this country. But I think right now the uncertainty of the global economy, I think uh, hyper-regulation is strangling off innovation and startups, and I think people are really concerned. And if it continues down this road, this entrepreneurship, the heart of this country, I believe, is going to fall way behind any other industrialized countries. And so that's kind of what I'm seeing down the road. Mm, 
okay, that's scary and a little bit sad. And we talk about millennials and we talk about having the chutzpah. Nina knows what that right. is. Probably the rest <laughs> of you heard the word. Uh, to, to start your own business. And Susan, you and I did a show a couple of years ago. And the question was, I think in my first year of Game Changers, I invited you for a January, probably a 2012 show. And the question yeah. was, when is a good time for entrepreneurs to start a business? The answer is now. Okay, that'll right. be another topic. We'll invite you back. EJ Jackson, <laughs> okay. I saved 60 seconds for you. What are your predictions, please? Well, I, I think along the lines that Susan, I, I, maybe a different perspective in uh, Forrester said in the next five years, a uh, majority of small business, more than 50% of small businesses will actually be owned by millennials. So um, there's one question I would have is just with the financial crisis, some people stayed in business longer than I think they wanted. So I think there's some recovery from, from that event. It was a pretty, pretty financial stressful event. And then on the other side, I'm, I'm curious, I'm, I have to believe with millennials taking over the helm of these business, you know, it's going to be a new uh, era and a new management style, and they bring, you know, their perspective of how, you know, they operate as, uh, you know, very tech, technology-enabled uh, consumers and technology-enabled individuals uh, to, that, to their business. So I think... I think that that phenomena, you know, may I can't say whether it's positive or negative, but it will be different. And I think that that's also a factor to take into mind as we look forward, you know, these millennials taking over the businesses. Thank you very much, all three. I worked you three very, very hard, and you were wonderful. Nina Kaufman, thank you. Susan Solovic, thank you. EJ, how'd you do? I think you survived very well. Did you enjoy yourself? I did, Ronnie. I did. I, I wish I was drinking some of the other than a black, that black coffee. That salty dog is really You amazing. keep saying that. Well, as soon as the December marathon is over, we'll just have a big party with you and Susan and Nina and invite me and we'll try salty, salty dogs. Yeah. That's fine. I'll have a virgin salty dog, though. No vodka. Listen, everyone, I want to thank you so much for your time. And a shout out to Michael, our engineer at World Talk Radio. And I am Bonnie D. Graham. I don't think I even introduced myself. I was so excited to speak with the three of you. We have two more live Game Changer shows this week. Tomorrow, I can't remember which ones. I think Innovating Innovation and uh, Changing the Game with HR. We've got 13 live series in production currently so we're on five hours a week. You can always find us at voiceamerica.com look for the business logo, that's the business channel. Scroll down the daily schedule and you'll see a coffee cup. It's a caricature. See a coffee cup. Any of those are game changers and we invite you to join us and thank you to the more than 200,000 listeners in over a thousand locations who listened to us live and on demand last year. We very much appreciate it. So let's close the show. Let's close the party. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today like Susan and Nina and EJ. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. 